how can I support myself more instead of, I don't have time for any of this. I'm going to focus on everybody else or focus on my work. But then we end up burning out and paying the price. Namaste and welcome. I'm Vettina Blumenthal and you're listening to the Soul Compass Podcast. I'm here to help you find your inner calm and deepen your self-discovery journey. Take this moment and focus on yourself, for your mental health, your ability to find ease in your everyday life, and your emotional well-being. It is so important that you nourish yourself not only physically, but also emotionally and mentally. Here at Soul Compass, you'll learn practical tips from experts who will leave you with a sharper focus and a renewed commitment to yourself. Today I'm here with a very inspiring woman. She's gone through many life struggles that so many people go through. From struggling with her relationship with food, to suffering from postpartum, to the unraveling of a failing marriage. The moment she felt was her biggest failure led her on a path of health and wellness, becoming a registered holistic nutritionist and so much more. She's appeared on eTalk Canada, Global TV, and CTV. She was named as an expert for national magazines such as Elle, Best Health, Flair, and featured in many other media outlets. Her first book, Empowered by Food, is launching May 2019. I had the absolute pleasure of meeting her in 2018 at Dovetail Women's Summit, where I got to soak up all her wisdom about hormone health. And today, I'm so excited to learn more about her wild self-discovery journey. I'm delighted to welcome the lovely Kira Foy. Kira, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so overwhelmed with that amazing description. Thank you. (laughs) You're so welcome. Well, you're an inspiring soul, and I am really excited to dive a little bit deeper today. So one of my favorite things is learning about transformational experiences, and I'm curious to know a little bit more about yours. So you went from struggling with your weight, suffering from postpartum, and on top of that, going through a divorce. And fast forward, you've now been a holistic nutritionist for 13 years, and in that time, you've opened up two weight loss clinics. And you know, it takes so many years to evolve and you're constantly evolving even today, but can you pinpoint the moment that awareness of transformation started for you? I feel like the universe works in so many different ways and sometimes you get these like little nudges and I found myself being nudged quite a bit in this direction for a long time, even prior to having my first daughter when a lot of this kind of hit the fan. It was a really interesting journey because before I was a nutritionist, before I was a mom, I was always into healthy eating. I was working downtown on Bay Street. I was doing smoothies in, you know, 2000. Like everybody was like, what are you doing? I had my blender. I was making smoothies in the morning after the gym. You know, I really wanted to be quote unquote healthy, but really it was about being thin. It was about being perfect. It didn't come from a place of self-love. And that's kind of where my journey really began. So when I became pregnant, I kind of gave that up. It was like, wow, this is so freeing. And I know so many women have gone through this. It's like, now I don't have to try to be skinny anymore because people can't look at me funny if I gain weight because I'm pregnant, right? This is awesome. 
So it's like this license to eat poorly, really. I'm so grateful for that experience. I stopped all of the non-fat, calorie-free, this, that, and the other. And I started eating, you know, a lot of fast food and garbage and all this kind of stuff, right? So I kind of went from bad to really ugly. (laughs) But the great part of all of that, I really learned the power of food and really understanding the gut-brain access. So at the time, I didn't know about this gut-brain access, that that's an actual scientific thing, that our brain and our gut are always talking to each other all the time. So what we eat does impact how we think and our actions and our mood and our mental health and all of those things. There is no separation, zero. Because I was eating so poorly and I gained a lot of weight and everything in my body was out of whack, of course I was more at risk for postpartum depression. And then you take the relationship with yourself and you put it on top of all that science and why I was at greater risk and what was actually going on in my body and why things were out of whack because the way I was treating myself, lack of exercise, you know, lack of sleep, obviously with a new baby and the way I'd been eating meant that I was doomed kind of to be very unhappy. That is a really hot topic right now is that gut brain connection for someone who's just kind of starting to learn about that or might have never even heard that there was a connection there. What would you tell them in terms of food, but also how they are connected and how they play with each other? The important thing to know is that we have as many neurons in our gut as we do in our spinal cord. What we eat is intrinsically connected to, you know, our mind and our mood and everything else. And actually, very few people stop to think about what they eat and how it impacts them, as in how does it make you feel? You know, I probably say that all day, every day. How does it make you feel? What did you notice? And it's not just digestive issues. It's not just, you know, was I bloated? But what was your mood afterwards? Were you tired? We should thrive on food. We should feel amazing after having food. We should feel energy. And so even those simple things, if that's not happening, that means the food you are eating It's not necessarily unhealthy because what is healthy for one person is not necessarily healthy for another. So you could be eating perfectly healthy food that is not healthy for your body. And so tuning into how you feel is so, so important. This is why I love nutrition. It goes so much with mindfulness in its own way, because if you're not connected to your body, which so many people are so disconnected to their body. I used to be one of those people and I can catch myself what I am and when I'm eating for survival and when I'm eating to nourish my body, it's completely different. And I can see the difference even in myself. For me, I'm really tall. I don't get enough circulation to my fingertips and my toes. I'm super creative. And, you know, I've been to a nutritionist, a naturopath, an Ayurvedic doctor. And it's interesting to see all three of them come back to the same conclusion for me because clearly I didn't trust it the first time. Wow. I have a body type that I can't ever do like a juice cleanse or a raw diet. I need warming foods in my body to warm up my body. And it was that one simple shift that allowed me to get better sleep. I stress less. Like it's so crazy how that one insight changed so much that, I mean, I was trying to work on through meditation and mindfulness and yoga, but it was warming food. (laughs) 
so that's such a good example. Like it's so dangerous really for people to get stuck in this particular diet is the way that we should eat, whether it's raw food or vegan or paleo or keto or all these crazy things. Because at the end of the day, all that matters is how do you feel? And that's what you have to pay attention to because we're not all built the same. Like I'm going to recommend different things to different people based on where they're at. Obviously, if they're diabetic, they're not going to have as many carbohydrates in their diet as somebody who's not and who's super active. It's all about that particular person and addressing the imbalances and sometimes the symptoms, the root cause, but also the symptoms that arise from that with food and with meditation and sleep and exercise and all those things. It's the same as when I took a nutrition and mental health course years ago, it was really interesting to learn that yoga, for example, is not relaxing for some people. There isn't anything that's like universal. Okay, maybe breathing. Actually, <laughs> I think breathing, breath work is actually universal. That's important. But you know how we go about doing that is very individual. I recommend yoga. I think yoga is amazing, but I am one of those people that's not like, I feel anxious when I do yoga. When I'm stressed, when I'm not stressed, I can do yoga and it's awesome. Yeah. Right? Like when I went to ballet and did yoga, it was awesome. But when I'm stressed, high intensity stuff works better for me. And I think that's the biggest misconception for a lot of things, like just echoing what you're saying is that people just assume that that one diet or that one fad is going to work for them. And that doesn't mean that you can't explore, but it's honestly people like yourself that can guide people in the right direction for that unique instance for each person. And you know, so many of us struggle with our relationship with food. And I know you had a similar journey. What advice would you give to someone who is currently struggling with their relationship with food? First and foremost, the relationship that you have with food is a mirror to the relationship you have with yourself. So that is where you have to start. So it's the same as if you are somebody who judges other people really harshly, it's because you are judging yourself the worst. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> to that. You know, yeah, you are far harder on yourself than you are on anybody. So when it comes to your relationship with food, it's always gonna come down to how you feel about yourself. And that's why it's such a hard thing to overcome. It's like, what do we deserve? And self-love, keeping promises, like even very basic things. When people come to me and they have a poor relationship with food, it often means that they have a history of, you know, yo-yo dieting and trying all sorts of things. And they end up feeling like a failure, like nothing works for them. They might be perfectionists. They make one mistake on a quote unquote diet. And then they're like, okay, I guess I can't do this. I'm just going to eat the bucket of ice cream. And I'm going to start something else on Monday. So what I noticed with a lot of clients who might be struggling with that is that they will do anything for anybody. And if they make a promise to their you know, children or their boss or their best friend or their mother, they are sure as hell going to follow through with it. But they don't keep promises to themselves. When we're not treating ourselves like our best friend or how we would treat others, what are we saying to ourselves? You know, we're not loving ourselves. We're not trusting ourselves. We're certainly not respecting ourselves. So those kind of things are really important. The relationship that we have with food comes down to the relationship we have with ourselves and how we're treating ourselves and what we believe we deserve. And then another really important layer on there 
is the shame that a lot of people talk about food and guilt. And it's actually not guilt that they feel around food. It's shame. Actually, I'm curious to know more about that because I've heard so much about guilt and food, but shame is so much more deep rooted. It is. So Brene Brown does a lot of this research, right, on on shame. She's a shame researcher, basically, right? If you're familiar with her stuff, the truth is, is that when we do something that we feel guilty about, like if you lied to your friend and you really hurt their feelings, or somebody asked you to keep a secret and you didn't, something like that, we're going to feel guilty about. And typically when we feel guilty about something, we're less likely to do it again. It's positively correlated with change. So that's a good thing. So if we were feeling really guilty about the food we eat or, you know, what we did, we wouldn't stay stuck in that cycle. But the truth is, and Brene explains this too, is when people feel bad about what they eat, it's not just women, but there's a good portion of it that is women. It's not about, I feel bad that I ate that thing. It's what's wrong with me that I can't do this or that I ate that thing. You're bad. You're not worthy. You're not lovable. It's those kind of feelings. When we make it personal and we attach it to ourselves instead of just like, oh, I ate that burger and it kind of upset my stomach and I'm not going to do that again because like it totally wasn't worth it. That's like guilt or kind of regret and you know, you're learning from that. But when you make it personal, that's when that one meal, that one piece of cake or something is no longer just 400 calories of sugar. It's the rabbit hole that can totally throw you off and make it impossible for you to reach your goals. That's actually really profound. And I never thought of the relationship with food that way and correlated with shame. So when you have clients come to you, do you find that that is, well, most times related to shame when they have eating struggles? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to weight loss, that is very, very common. It's very rare that I have somebody who wants to lose weight, that that doesn't fit into that shame piece and the relationship with food that needs to be healed. That's a real struggle there. I mean, I, I used to do almost exclusively weight loss. And, you know, I do a lot more of gut health and hormones and mindset and those types of things now. But oftentimes that weight loss piece still fits in there. So the mindset around that and dealing with the guilt and shame and really working on the relationship with self is still a big part of my practice for sure. That's amazing. And I know one of your areas of expertise is how to change your internal dialogue and the way we view the world in order to unlock ourselves from stress. And it helps us to build resilience both mentally and physically with someone who is going through that struggle of shame or that mindset piece that you were talking about. What advice would you give them? And like, are there practical things that you can do to start evolving and moving forward in that direction? One of my favorite tools to use, I use with clients was when I first hired a business coach years ago, she taught me how to journal, not just like journaling, like my to-do list for the day, but really digging in deep with my journaling and making sure that there was positive affirmations in there. And that the way that I was journaling was in a way that made me connect with the feeling of having accomplished the things that I want to call into my life. 
there specific questions that you would go to on a daily basis or on a weekly basis that you would keep addressing? So it's always what I'm grateful for. And there's typically a lot of that. <laughs> and then I will definitely go into anything that is difficult, right? So I tell people anything that's difficult for you, you want to start writing out that it's easy. When it comes to food, instead of writing, I follow my meal plan perfectly today. Give me a break, right? Who follows anything perfectly? I don't. Instead of putting that kind of pressure on yourself, like I am going to do this and be regimented, the journaling would look more like it feels amazing when I nourish my body and I'm so proud of myself for taking care of her in that way. That's beautiful. I've been practicing this now for 13 years and I, I bet at the beginning it was a lot different than it was now. I know that a lot of people think, oh, they've been practicing it for so long, but do you still struggle at times? Like maybe you're launching a book or <laughs> maybe you're going through certain things in your life that maybe takes you off course. And if that does happen, how do you bring yourself back into alignment with yourself again? I think the daily practice so, so I talk about having three things that are kind of your non-negotiables. For me, my non-negotiables, and this isn't like you know, love and my children and all these kind of things that make me happy. It's like, what are the things that I need to do most days to have a great day and to set me up for success and to make me feel good so that whatever it is that comes at me in that day, I'm better apt to be able to deal with it, to respond instead of just react. And so for me, those are very basic and they are sleep, exercise, and nutrition. So what I always say to people is, of those three things, if one falls off, that's not so bad, but you need two out of three. And so for me, typically, I'm very vigilant about my sleep. It doesn't matter if it's balancing hormones or reducing stress or anti-aging or being creative, being focused. It doesn't matter what it is. Preventing disease. Sleep is so basic, and yet people don't understand how deeply it impacts you. Probably other than nutrition, sleep. I think it was 2017. That was my New Year's resolution. My sleep hygiene needed to be improved. I mean, I'm a creative. I could stay up until three or four in the morning. No one was bothering me. And mm -hmm. I could stay up for hours just working away, working, working, working. And then I just remember being so stressed. I had so much anxiety and yeah. it was when I switched my sleeping patterns that all of that just started to slowly fade away. It doesn't mean it doesn't still come up. Even now I practice meditation. I do all my breathing, my yoga, but it still yeah. comes up at times. And it's just nice to have the rituals. Like you said, you have your sleep, you have your movement piece, you have your nutrition, and those are your go-tos. And, you know, I think that everyone will have their own, but that is such a beautiful place to start. When things get tough, we have a tendency to throw ourselves under the bus. You know, as a coach, that's one of the number one things that I'm trying to get women to not do. The excuse is, my life is so busy, my kids this, I'm going through that, work is crazy, and then they just stop doing all of the things that they do that can actually help them to manage those things. It's crazy. So we do the opposite of what we need. You know, what we need to do is when things are really stressful, that's when you say no to more things, no to more social things, anything that is going to pull me away from taking good care of myself during really stressful times, I'm going to say no to. 
I'm going to be like home earlier and getting to sleep. I'm going to make sure that I eat even better so that my body can manage the extra stress. How can I support myself more instead of, I don't have time for any of this. I'm going to focus on everybody else or focus on my work. But then we end up burning out and paying the price. So it's that very basic, if you're on the airplane and it's going down, you have to put the oxygen mask on you first, yeah. even before your children. And as a single mom, I'm like to my clients, yes, even before your kids. And I get it. I'm a single mom. However, I stand by that. Me taking care of myself comes first. That's such a beautiful visual. I love that visual of the being on the airplane and putting the oxygen mask on yourself because it is true. You can't extend your love. You can't extend your empathy. You can't extend your compassion, any energy, unless you've been able to fill up your vessel first. That is a beautiful image. One thing that I really wanted to dive into when I first started hearing about hormone health, I can't believe how important our hormone health is and how it's really not taught to us. It's like breathing in a sense where we're not taught how to breathe and we're not taught about our hormones until things start coming up. And now we're learning a little bit more about it. You know, a lot of our listeners are female. What are some key things that someone who might be so unconscious about hormone health, what are a few, like a three key things that you could explain to them maybe in their lifestyle, like whether it's stress or what things come up. I'm just curious to know a little bit more about your wisdom around that topic. When people think of hormones, they don't think of food. One of the most important hormones I believe that you need to keep balance in your body is insulin. And that's where so many things go awry. So that means you have to balance your blood sugar. And so the first steps to that are your basic nutrition, not just having simple carbohydrates on their own, making sure that we're balancing proteins, fats, and carbohydrates together. That actually changes the glycemic index of a meal. It's so, so interesting we still even use things like the glycemic index because studies have shown that how a particular food impacts somebody's blood sugar, which is what the glycemic index is for, is actually dependent on that person. Again, <laughs> like when you get like that sweet potato is a medium glycemic carbohydrate, it's not that way for everybody. So it's interesting, but that's kind of the basis that we um, talk about this from. But fat really got such a bad rap for so long and everybody was low fat, everything. But fat is what really helps to slow down digestion and what will actually change the reaction in your bloodstream with respect to carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are what is going to increase your blood sugar. Protein does a little bit as well. And then fat is completely neutral. That's why fat is such an important component because it can balance your meal. For example, when I used to work in an office, it's very common to see people with like a muffin or a bagel and a coffee. So a muffin and bagel and a coffee, that's a processed carbohydrate and often has lots of sugar in it, not much else. And then coffee also impacts your blood sugar. You have a huge amount of sugar going into your bloodstream. So if you can think of a roller coaster, that means your blood sugar goes up and when it gets up to the top, then your pancreas secretes insulin and insulin's job is to lower blood sugar. That's what it does. Insulin comes in when you're at the top of that roller coaster, it lowers your blood sugar. But I like to say that insulin's an overachiever. 
So it doesn't just bring it back down to normal, to baseline. It brings it a little bit too low. You're up and then you're going down, you're really low. And when you're low, low blood sugar is dangerous. And so that is when your body starts sending you massive cravings. If you have low blood sugar, you're going to be craving sugar like crazy. Then you're more likely to grab something that's quick and easy, cracker, muffins, coffee, any kind of processed food product, processed grain, and that's going to get your blood sugar up. So a lot of people end up on this roller coaster with up and down blood sugar all day long. That's impacting your energy level. It's impacting, like that's what's making you have cravings. It's impacting your mood. It's impacting your focus. It's impacting everything just for that one thing. That's the most important hormone to control is insulin because all of our hormones are connected. When one goes out of whack, they all end up going out of whack. So for example, if you have low blood sugar, you're super busy all day, you have low blood sugar, but you're kind of ignoring it, that puts stress on your body. Well, cortisol, one of its main jobs, which is our stress hormone, is to also to manage that. It's going to help you with that blood sugar part. So we don't always want to be relying on that as well, because that, again, is a stress for our body. That one major thing how you eat and eating in hormonal balance and making sure that you're eating right amounts of proteins, fats, and carbs is the very basic bare minimum to balance your hormones on a whole. I deal with cravings. I know a lot of people deal with cravings. And you know, it's like you want that one thing that's in your mind. That's what you want. That's going to satisfy everything. How do you guide clients through that process, because it's so easy to just want to grab what you're craving, what would you suggest that person eat rather than grabbing for whatever maybe unhealthy craving that they had? Blood sugar can be causing that craving. Another thing that can be causing that craving is lack of sleep. Also, you know, stress can cause that too. So another really basic thing to manage your hormones is to get enough sleep. And so when you don't get enough sleep, there's actually a hormone called ghrelin. And ghrelin is kind of like your hunger hormone. When ghrelin's going to be higher, you're not going to be as satisfied from the food you eat. So you're going to tend to want to eat more food when you're tired. So when you balance your blood sugar and you get enough sleep, you're already taking away a lot of the reasons why most people have cravings. And so the answer to your question is that's where I go first because we want to look at the biology basically, right? Physiology and be looking at, okay, how can we prevent the craving first and foremost? Because prevention is always way easier. Once you have low blood sugar, even myself, and clearly I know better, can right. still succumb to that. So you want to prevent those things from happening first. You know, what I do is I look for patterns with clients. So if you were always coming to me and you're like, oh, I'm always having this craving at three or four o'clock, the first thing you would want to do is, are you getting asleep? Are you balancing your blood sugar? And then you need an afternoon snack. You're obviously having low blood sugar at that time. So you need to plan out a snack that you're going to have before that time when you're usually like hangry. And if you already had that snack and then your blood sugar is balanced, you probably wouldn't have the craving. So that's kind of what you want to do first and foremost. And then if you are just having a craving and it's not about those things or more so in the evening, you got to ask yourself, what is it that you really need? Is it really the food or like, are you sad? Are you tired? Are you lonely? 
what need are you actually trying to have met with the instant gratification of food? Oh, you're just so full of wisdom. Before we start closing, I wanted to ask you, what three pieces of wisdom would you share with someone who is embarking on a self-discovery journey? It doesn't necessarily have to be about nutrition, but you've had a lot of profound transformations in your life. And I'm just curious to know what three pieces of wisdom you'd give to someone who's embarking on this inner journey. I think that, you know, although hindsight is always twenty twenty, we can learn a lot from our past and we can use our past to help us trust ourselves a little bit more. Transformation is scary. And it really is true that all of our hopes and dreams and aspirations and our best life really is out of our comfort zone. And so we have to stop being afraid of like hurt or pain or failure or rejection because we don't learn at all from our successes. We learn from the things and we change and we transform from the things that cause pain, failure, heartbreak, all of those things. You know, for me, I've learned to really always tell myself, if not this, something better. I'm going to put my all into this. I'm going to put my whole heart into this, whether it's a relationship or my business or a business deal I want to do. And if it doesn't work out, it's because it's not supposed to. And there is something better. And so when I was talking about hindsight, I think that, I mean, at least now I'm like, you know, 40, that I can look back in my life and realize that all the things, every single thing that I ever thought was tragic was detrimental, was just like, I didn't know how I was going to survive or get through, were actually some of the most important and the biggest catalysts for change. And I'm so grateful for every one of them. If you are going to transform, you really have to kick fear in the butt because we can't be afraid of the hurt, the pain, the failure, all of that stuff is where all the goodness is. That is my biggest advice. Thank you, Kira, for spreading your light and wisdom with us today. Honestly, I got chills. I had a little aha moment in a piece of your wisdom because there's an area of my life that I know that I'm not giving my whole heart to. So thank you. Oh, it's like the best part, honestly. I'm like so not afraid of pain or failure. It's, It's amazing and so freeing. And actually, my mom used to always say to me, what is for you will not pass you by. And so always trusting that and just knowing that, you know, we are exactly where we're supposed to be and all of our experiences, there's a reason for them. It's happening for us. Happening for us. I need to repeat that because it's so true. Yeah. Thank you so much for honestly just being authentically you. You've inspired us all. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah, you can connect with me at kirafoy.com, C-I-A-R-A-F-O-Y.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under Kirafoy Nutrition. And I have a book coming out this spring in May, which is called Empowered by Food, Heal Your Hormones, Balance Stress, and Become Unstoppable. Thank you so much again, Kira. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Remember 
To stay inspired in between our episodes, you can head on over to Instagram and follow us at Your Soul Compass and at Wonderful Soul. For free meditations and mindfulness guides, you can head over to WonderfulSoul.com. And please don't forget to hit subscribe in your podcast player so you never miss an episode. And please, 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 if this content delighted you, leave us a note telling us on iTunes. I read every one of these personally, and your feedback really helps me grow the show and produce the type of content you find valuable. Thank you, you beautiful soul, for dedicating time to your self-discovery journey. Not only are you contributing to your own mental and emotional well-being, but you are contributing to a healthier, more harmonious world and raising the consciousness of our planet. You are amazing and beautiful, just as you are. Thank you for being part of our journey, and thank you for letting us become part of yours.